Sometimes we don't have to say very much more than I just love you, Lord. I love you. I pray that that's your experience and that's your heart today. I'm going to preach to you today out of the Old Testament in the book of Ezekiel. And for many of you, this will be a pretty familiar story, a pretty familiar passage of Scripture. Please turn to Ezekiel 37, and I'll read to you from uh, that passage, the first 14 verses of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 37, the first 14 verses of Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Can I pause? And can you think about this as I read the rest? He led me back a fourth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons on you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say... To it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life, and they stood to their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. That deserves a wow. What a story. Okay, so it's kind of a creepy story, I'll admit. (laughs) And you know what? Sometimes we like to sanitize our Bible stories and, you know, kind of turn them into cute little Sunday school material. I think Tim Hawkins is a uh, Christian comedian who talked a little bit about this. Uh, Just think about how many Christians over the years have uh, decorated their nursery for their new baby coming. And they've done it in Noah's Ark's theme. And, you know, we paint the cute little animals and a nice little boat and a rainbow. And that's what we paint. But let me ask you a question. When you told the story to your kids at bedtime, did you say, OK, now let me tell you about the time that God flooded the whole earth and everybody drowned except one family? Sweet dreams, kisses, you know, we don't. <laughs> but, so we we can tend to sanitize the stories and make them cute. 
We can do the same with this passage. In fact, we kind of have. There's a cute little song that has come from this passage of Scripture that we have learned to sing. The foot bone's connected to the ankle bone. The ankle bone's connected to the shin bone. The shin bone's connected to the knee bone. Now hear the word of the Lord. Yeah, isn't that cute? Isn't that adorable? But in reality, this is kind of morbid. It's kind of a weird story, isn't it? Let's just be truthful about this. This this is a tough story in some regards. If we see it in its reality, in its raw form, this story really says something to us, at least gives us a picture of what hopelessness would look like. So what do we do when things are going terribly wrong? What do we do when things look so bleak that the best word to describe it would be hopeless? Have you been there? Have you felt ever in your life that something was beyond hope? It's never going to change. It's never going to get better. Have you ever felt like yourself throwing in the towel and just giving up because I can't make it better? Has anything ever seemed like it couldn't be changed if you wanted it to? There may not be a more desperate word in the English language than that word hopeless or hopelessness. This 37th chapter of Ezekiel gives us a picture that really helps us understand that feeling and reminds us of it. I want to give you a little bit of background so you know why God did what he did with Ezekiel here. God's people Israel had pretty completely, pretty much completely blown it with God. You'll remember that the Bible tells us in in a a read through uh, Genesis and Exodus and other books in the scripture tells us the history of God blessing a people called Israel, the, the Jewish nation. And you'll remember that he rescued them from the Egyptians. They were all slaves. They were all in bondage and they were forced to work for people who owned them. They were forced to build cities and to do plant vineyards and to work them for the benefit of other people, not themselves. The life of slavery was terrible. And God miraculously delivered them from all of it. God had blessed them and and eventually they ended up being in a beautiful land with a lot of riches and a lot of good. And when God had blessed them, they as a whole nation turned their backs on him and began to worship other gods. Over and over again, the Lord warned them to turn away from their sins and to turn back to him. But every warning seemed to make them, cause them, or or at least the response was to sink a little deeper into their sinfulness and wickedness against God. And they angered God through idolatry, injustice, how they treated one another and other people, and violence. They became a violent people. Ezekiel was a young man, and he became an exile when the Babylonians came into Israel and they invaded and they took a group of of uh, Israelites captive. And, and Ezekiel was a young man when he was taken into exile, what is into Babylon, which is now Iraq. When he was raised up from that position by God to begin to preach to his countrymen, And warned them that there was going to be a worse siege on Jerusalem. Leaving nothing but rubble and destruction. If they didn't turn away from their wickedness, God was going to have that happen. 
And year after year, this young man who was a priest also, this young priest stood in the streets and preached to his countrymen. Year after year, he warned them that this prophecy was going to come true. He prophesied and he preached, but to no avail. Let me just stop and say, I'm glad I'm a pastor and not a prophet. Because Ezekiel had a tough, tough job. Some other prophets of the Lord did too. Ezekiel preached for years and nobody listened to him. Nobody turned to God. Nobody listened. Nobody uh, heeded his words. It was as if he was speaking to nothing. And he went through this while he was in exile. And as if it wasn't difficult enough for him to see all of this transpiring in advance, he had to live through it when the prophecy came true. And he watched family die and he watched uh, Jerusalem be torn apart. And he lived through this whole thing. This is the concluding week of our series called Desire More. And we talked a little bit about how in this series, we've talked about how it is a good thing, a healthy thing for anybody to say to themselves, you know, there's got to be more. There's got to be something more in my relationship with God. I, there's got to be more. And it's a good and healthy thing to desire more of God, more peace, more, uh, more wisdom, more strength, more peace in your hearts. It's a good and healthy thing to do that. And it's a good thing to desire more of God. Amen. To want more in our relationship with him. And we've been looking at that and we've spent some time uh, talking about the more that we desire all comes to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't a force out there. We discovered he isn't an essence of God. He is God. He is a he. He's part of the Trinity. And we've been talking about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and he builds us up. And the more that we desire comes through what he does in our lives. And I pray that this series has made something surface in you that says, I do want more. I do want to live in a different way. I want to serve God. And, and I'm glad for this hunger and thirst in my heart. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in circumstances that cause not even a subtle undertone of just being discontent in life. And sometimes that's a healthy thing because it will aspire us to, to reach for more of God. And I pray that that's happening. And sometimes, though, when we're in the middle of completely overwhelming, difficult circumstances, we can feel hopeless and see no light to our darkened world. Let me explain to you that when Ezekiel was taken captive, he was probably about 25 years old and he had a wife. They were both taken into exile and nine years in, his wife died. And now... What I read to you about this experience that Ezekiel went through comes as he knows in his mind that all of Israel is going to be destroyed and taken away. He has that in his mind. He's already toiled in ministry, trying to do everything God has called him to do. He has been doing the right thing, and he is swept up with his nation in punishment. It was a time of darkness for him. It was rough. And in this passage, I want you to know that I believe that there is a word for you and I because we all have rough times, don't we? And we all come across those moments when it just doesn't seem like there's any hope. 
But let me suggest a few things from this scripture for you. And let's examine what happened here and move forward. I would suggest to you first and foremost, hope is present when God's spirit is present. Hope is present when God's spirit is present. I've read to you the first three voices, but I would ask you to open your minds and go with Ezekiel to these dry bones or this this valley. Now, here's what the word of God says. uh, Ezekiel was lifted up by the Holy Spirit. The spirit of God picked him up and he transported him or moved him and set him down in a valley. Now, most of the time we think of valleys and they're pleasant and they're pretty. We think of the valley that shows up on our butter or whatever. You know, we we think of that picture. There's a meadow there. There's a stream that runs. It's really beautiful. Signs of life everywhere. Butterflies live in the valley. You know, we think of the happy birds singing and all this. Not this valley. This valley was a desolate, dusty, barren valley. It had oppressive heat. And so if you will, in your mind, use your imagination and go to the valley with this man as the spirit of God drops him in the middle of this valley. He takes one step and he realizes that something's very different about this valley from other valleys. He looks around and there are bones, millions of bones. And he's looking around and there's a skull here and there's a leg bone here. It looks as though some giant hand has scattered them all the way across the valley. And it's it's just a picture of death. It's a picture of of, of hopelessness to him. It's a picture that things aren't aren't. There's no sign of life. It is a picture for him that looks like hopelessness. That's exactly what it looks like. And. He stands there, and let me tell you, this would be difficult for for this prophet who is already feeling these things inside. For Ezekiel, after the death of his wife and the loss of a nation and people treating him the way he had been treated, life felt like the valley he stood in. He stands on these bones, and then the spirit of all things says, "Let's, let's take a walk. And the Bible says he leads him, and this is a big valley, I believe, Across the bones and every step is hard and tenuous. It's unsteady. The bones are shifting. The sound that is being made. Every step is a reminder of death. Every step is morbid and difficult. I told you it's a weird story. But I want you to also know that this happened. This is what the spirit did. He's walking and traveling over these bones. Silence. There's no voice. There's no comfort for him. He's just walking. Finally, the silence breaks. And the spirit of God says to Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? What is the obvious answer to that question? No. No, they can't live because bones are dead. They're not alive. They can't live. And the, the, the obvious and, and right answer in one sense would be no. But I love Ezekiel's answer. Sovereign Lord, you alone know. You know if they can live or not. I want to say something to you that is so important for us to remember. Life can feel this way for some of us. It's just bones. It's a picture of hopelessness. 
And I have no doubt that some of you hearing me this morning have been to a valley of dry bones in your life. Amen. You've been there where it didn't seem like there was hope. It didn't seem like there was any kind of life at all where the heat of your circumstances are oppressive for you and the loneliness, the absence of another understanding voice as you look out into this vast valley and you travel across the bones. Only dried up hope. And all indicators are bleak. And maybe right now somebody in this room is in the valley of the dry bones. I cannot tell you how important it is for you. I can't say it uh, hard enough how important it is for you and me if we belong to Jesus Christ to remember something about that valley. The Spirit of God is in you and hope is present when the spirit of hope is present. Amen. When God's spirit is there, there is always hope because there is always life. I tell you, church, it's vital to know that when you're walking in the bones. We need to understand what I'm saying is even when all indicators point to the fact that there is no life, no hope present because the Holy Spirit is in you and with you, there is always hope. He is a God who brings life out of absolute death. And even if you put yourself there in that valley, even if your choices made you enter into the valley that is so desperate, I will tell you something. Even if it's your failing, the Holy Spirit won't abandon you. He won't leave you. He will walk with you through those bones. He is present. I love the fact that even in the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. That's the promise that the Lord has made. A few weeks ago, there were many of us up front here and we were praying, oh, Lord, I want to be filled with God, filled with the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is in us, wherever we are, he is. So no matter how bleak your valley looks, praise God, he's there with you. And when the spirit of God is with you, there is hope. That's enough for even people like us to say, praise the Lord, you bunch of reserved people. But we can do that. We can praise the Lord. I'm joking with you. We can be thankful to the Lord and be grateful to him. And it's so important to remember that he is in our valleys. So we must base our hope on one who takes us into these difficulties and travels with us. And we've been talking about the one that we put our hope in. It is the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of hope. That's why I'm preaching to you about him today. I don't care what valley you go into. He's there. In fact, he's been there before you've ever known that valley would ever exist. So will you remember that when you step into that valley? Will you remember that although the voice is silent, he is with you? And in the appropriate time, he will speak. In the appropriate time, he will act. Trust in the Lord. I love what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. He'll make them straight. Here's what I will tell you, and I've heard it said this way, I think, in a song. Uh, Years ago, there was a song that says, We will believe the report of the Lord. When the doctor is telling you you're going to die and there's no hope for you, you need to know the Holy Spirit's there. 
And his report may be, no, I think I'll make these dry bones live. I'm going to bring you back to life and I'll heal you. That's his power. Thank you for amening me there. That's a good spot. Secondly, I want to make this observation. Hope is present when God's word is present. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And uh, you can finish reading that on the screen. Listen, let me tell you something. There is something powerful about words of hope being spoken out in tough circumstances. There is something powerful about this book and the word of God entering into the darkest, bleakest, most bleached white valley of bones that we can walk into. Because the word of God is living. The word of God is active. And it has power to do things that we can not even imagine and the change that happened i'm jumping way ahead of my story here but the change that happened happened because the word of the of the lord was inserted into that dry valley of death and bones and i want to tell you it takes faith to speak words of hope in tough circumstances it is written i believed therefore i have spoken since we have the same spirit of faith we also believe and therefore we speak It's important to say what we need to say in the appropriate time. And the word of the Lord is powerful in this. Dry bones don't have ears, though. Why would I speak, Pastor Ken? Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to risk looking like a fool? How would you have felt if you're Ezekiel? You've walked over these dead bones. They're clicking under your feet. They're making all kinds of sound. If the walking's difficult, I would have sprained my ankle three steps in. But it's difficult. You're walking all the way through here. How would you have felt if then the Spirit of the Lord breaks the silence and says, Can these bones live? And you answer a great answer. You know this, Lord. And then he says, Start preaching to these dead bones. Now, I have to tell you, I've been in a few places, and this is not one of them, where I preach, and I wonder if there were any live bodies out there. I have had that experience before. But can you imagine the audacity of it, the, the oddness, the weirdness of being out in the middle of death, and, and the Spirit of the Lord says, now you start preaching my word to these dead bones. Well, dry bones don't have ears. Lord, why am I doing this? I love what Ezekiel did. He began to prophesy. And it wasn't until the word of the Lord began to be spoken by him and a word of faith was uttered by him until he began to proclaim what God told him to proclaim. It wasn't until then that good stuff started to happen. And by the way, that's also really, really creepy because as he's preaching, he hears the sound of rattling bones and they're like sliding along the ground and connecting to each other. That's just weird. I can't help it. That's just strange. But but I'll get there in a second. Let me just ask you something. Are you willing to even seem a little foolish and begin to claim the promises of God and, and proclaim the word of God when it seems like it would make no sense to do it? When a doctor would look at you and just kind of smile like you poor dumb Christian. Would you trust God over the word of a doctor? Would you trust God over the word of some scientist? Would you trust the Lord God over the word of some philosopher in this world? Will you look foolish in their eyes if that's what it took to speak life into the valley of dry bones in your life? 
So when you're sitting in bed with your spouse during a very difficult time, you're reviewing the difficulty together. Maybe tears are tracking down your cheeks. Is your conversation something like simply like this? We're dead meat and there's no hope. Or will you look at her husband and say, listen, God sees us right now and he knows what our needs are and he promised to provide. That's the kind of hope that we speak. When you're talking to your children during a difficult situation, can we say to them, I know this is difficult right now and we don't understand what God is up to at this moment. But I know one thing. He's still our God. He's with us here and he will take care of us. I don't know how, but he will do it. We can speak faith like that because it is a biblical principle to do it. This isn't weird. This isn't hocus pocus. This isn't chanting scripture and using it like some incantation. This is speaking the power of the Lord because it's his word. And it makes a difference in the lives of of those who are in hopeless situations. You don't have to make stuff up, but. What about the promises of God that you know are true? In fact, one of the best ways to to see God work in a tough situation is begin to use his promises and speak them out. And there are many of them in Scripture. I was young and now I am old, David said, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. That's an amen. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Matthew chapter 6 verse 8. And I remind you of what Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says. The word of the Lord is living. It is active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Here's what I want you to capture here. The word of the Lord is living and active. I'm going to get to that in just a second with Ezekiel. But didn't Jesus show that over and over and over again? Wasn't it Jesus who walked up to the tomb of a dead man? Four days he was in that grave. Wasn't it Jesus that cupped his hands over his mouth and said, Lazarus, come forth. And wasn't it Lazarus, the man who had been dead for four days, who sat up in that tomb and said, what am I doing in here? Covered with grave clothes and walked out and he was alive and well. Why? Because when Jesus speaks, power comes out of his mouth. It's the same mouth that said to nothing less, let there be in everything that's created was created by his word. It's living. It's active. I could take this chair. I could place it up here. I could say, chair, you have four legs. Start to walk. And you know what's going to happen, don't you, if I do that? Go ahead and say it. Nothing. Why is that? Because my words aren't living. My words don't have power. Ken Dusa can speak to all these chairs until he turns blue and passes out from exhaustion and the chairs will do nothing. Let Jesus say a word and there's life in those words. And he could, not that he would want to, make that chair run if that's what he wanted to do. Why? Because God's words are different than our words. Don't speak your words. Speak the Lord's words into your dead valley and trust him because hope is present when the word of the Lord is present in your life. Are you going through something difficult? One of the greatest things you can do for yourself is begin to saturate yourself with the word of the Lord. And if nothing else happens, and I I have no idea what God would want to do in your valley. If nothing else will happen, 
you will change. God will do something in you and you'll have life and you'll be able to face your difficulty in a new way. He doesn't always change our valleys. Just didn't know if you knew that. Sometimes he has a better plan, something better, something bigger, something greater for you. And when God's word is present, there's always going to be hope present. And will you do me a favor and please notice who it is that's prophesying here? Couldn't the spirit of God have said those words? I mean, he's the Holy Spirit. Couldn't he have said those words? No, I love this. He had a man do it. And a man, a man who was going through struggles, a man who was hurting in his heart because he was missing his wife. And he had him open his mouth and speak God's words. Now, listen to me. The word of God is effective when we apply it in faith. And I'll get to that in just a second. This thing of saying out loud the promises of the Lord isn't magic. It's biblical. And so just do it. Trust God. Just believe that God can work in your valleys. I'm not trying to sound weird here, but the story's already weird. And I love what happens here because not only do the bones start flying together and awesome. I mean, first of all, can I just tell you that would scare me so bad? I would probably wet myself on the spot. I'm just saying. And so here he is. He's preaching and, and he's he's speaking and the bones are flying together. I would have stopped. I'm just saying I would. I know I'm ADHD. I would I would have done that. And I would have been standing there. And then when I looked up and I saw like tendons attaching, growing and then muscles. Yeah, this is gory, isn't it? This is weird. Lord, what is this? And this happened to Ezekiel. And, and so suddenly now there's muscles and then skin grows over. And I don't know how else to say it. Now he's standing there and the valley is full of dead people. They're all dead bodies. They're all just laying there, stretched out like a gigantic wake. Ill. It's morbid. It's a tough thing. And, and, and yet, I, I, and I will tell you, I'm just be jumping into my skin and telling you that would have been difficult. And some of us, the way we feel about that, would have ran out of that valley. We'd have stepped on them if we had to, but we're out of, okay, I'm out of here. There's dead bodies. I, I can see poor Ezekiel standing there, maybe aghast and not knowing what to do. And then immediately the Lord speaks to him and he says, now, Ezekiel, I want these things, these bodies to live. So here's what I want you to do. Speak to the breath. And this reminds us that God created man and he formed him and he breathed into his nostrils his breath. That's life. And he says, you speak to the breath and you call it in from the four corners and you say to these bodies live. And he did. Now they all stand to their feet. An army. And I'm sorry, forgive this, but an army of naked people, I guess. I don't know. I told you, it's just weird. And they're all standing there. And then the Lord shares his prophecy, which I will get to, the meaning of all of this. I want to tell you that thirdly, and, and finish this up pretty quickly, that hope is present when faith is present. You see, our desperation often as Christians is deepened by what, my friend calls circumstantial faith. 
Circumstantial faith is when we're only confident in God based on what we can see and based on today's reality. In other words, if things go wrong tomorrow that that doesn't make any sense to us, then we're going to immediately sort of start to question God and we could get angry at God and we could check out. If things aren't going the way we think they should go, then that's proof to us that God doesn't care. Or that's proof to us that God's not paying attention to us or he doesn't love us. And so that can upset us. For example, you grew up believing that if you do the right thing, things will always work out well for you. But then you do the right thing at work and you get laid off. In the meantime, the other guy who's cut corners gets to keep his job when God doesn't. Do what we think he's supposed to do. Our faith can feel violated. And sometimes people check out and give up on God. Circumstantial faith does that. I believe God when he proves himself to me. When he heals me, I'm going to have faith in him. Not until he heals me, but when he heals me, I will have faith in him. When he does something good and and I get money in my hands, then I'll believe in God. That's circumstantial faith. I'm, I believe in a good God. I'll say God is good when everything's going good for me. That's circumstantial. When I'm comfortable and I'm not, I'm not upset and people love me and I love them. When I have a sweetie pie on my arm, then I'll know God is good. God's doing so many wonderful things. Thank you, God. But then circumstantial faith will say, well, when something really bad happens in my life, that proves to me that God really didn't mean it. And God doesn't care. That's not real faith, my friends. Real faith knows Without a shadow of doubt that God is a good God. He is good all the time because that's who he is. Real faith knows that God has the power to do whatever he wants to do. And that he never breaks his promises. Real faith says that. And that's so important for us to understand. You see, circumstantial faith is weak for a lot of reasons because, number one, we don't have God's vantage point. We don't see your life like God does. Remember when we started this series that we said it's God's movie, not yours, not mine? It's God's movie. This story that we're part of in the human race, it's all about God. It's not about you. You're not the star either, am I? He's the star. He's the one that puts the last word on it. He's the one that puts the period on time. He's the one who gives entrance of people into glory. He's the one who judges. It's about him, not me. And here's what it helps us understand that he, he, his vantage point is far different than our vantage point. We can't understand things from God's perspective. And I don't want to hurt your feelings. We have a lot of very bright people in here, but you're not smarter than God. You're not. You're not nearly as smart as he is. And there's a whole lot of things he knows that you don't have a clue. And you couldn't learn in a thousand years. And nor could I. Because our, our greatest minds on earth, our greatest thought is like foolishness to him. I mean, he's so far beyond us. And so he can't always even explain himself to us, nor does he. So we don't know. Our, per, our perspective always will focus on the bones. On the valley, God's perspective for Ezekiel was, I have restoration in mind. I have a miracle in mind. I have life in mind. Ezekiel couldn't see that until God did it. And so faith says, no matter how bad this valley is and how unsure the footing is and how oppressive this heat is and how much this looks like hopelessness, I put my trust in the God who created me. He knows where I am right now. And in fact, he's here. He's here. 
I'm not alone. And I will never be alone because I belong to him. Can we believe that today? Can we have a faith that isn't circumstantial and instead have a faith that trusts God? We need faith built on something more dependable than our circumstances. Because good circumstances and bad circumstances happen to all of us. Now, I just want to look at these verses one more time. Verses 11 through 14, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone and we're cut off. We're dead meat. It's over. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, Israel. Listen to these words. I'm going to open up your graves. And you're going to live again. I'm bring you up out of them. And I'm going to bring you back to your land. I'm going to put my spirit in you. And I'm going to settle you in on the land that I gave to you. And I'll just stop there. Did you catch verse 11? It's all over. We're done. Our bones are dried up. Can we be honest? If we were judgment day honest, I bet you 90% of us have done that, haven't we? It's done. It's just too far gone. I can't fix it. I can't, it won't change. It's hopeless. Life is hopeless. We've all felt like that, haven't we? We've been in that valley. We know that valley. We've walked those bones. I want to remind you of the three things that I said to you. Hope is present, folks. Spirit of God's there. He's in your valley. The word of God is powerful. And it brings life. And faith, real faith, works every time. I just love the story. It's, it's, it's creepy. I don't know how else to say it. It's odd. It's, it is. And I'm not, this is not me in any way disrespecting God, the Holy Spirit, or God's will. God had a purpose in this. He was saying to the Israelites who had been just beaten down to a pulp that at your darkest hour, if I have to, I'll reach into your graves and I'll bring it all back alive. It's not even over when you're dead. That's what God said. Listen, God's not finished yet. He's not done. What is your circumstance? God's not done with you. It's not finished. It's not complete. God's still there. God is still God. God is still good. It's not over for you. It can be changed by the power and the grace of the Lord.